right. I'm Britt Robinson. I'm Hannah Nix. And I'm Holly Russell. And this is Two Legends, One Loser. <laughs> Way to ruin it. <laughs> we needed a theme song. Yeah, because yeah, you're not subscribed yet, Hannah. <laughs> I am. Oh, good job. It's Hallie who's not. Hey, no, I just did. Well, you figured out how? Yeah. Should I add Porter to the intro? Because he is a crucial part of this podcast. We need you, Hannah. Why is it so loud? Me? Yeah. Hold on, I'll go away and come back. Oh. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) nice. I didn't realize it was that easy. Is that better? That was me. Not really. <laughs> super loud. Is that better? That seems better. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Cool. Okay, guys. I created a four-page Word document for my notes on this. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! I have forty minutes, so better hurry up. I know. Okay, I'll tell mine first because I am a little bit more important. <laughs> okay. So. Today, I'm going to start off with the pyramids, and then we're going to take a little dark twist, okay? Okay. I like those dark twists. That tends to be a fun addition. So, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Pyramids are freaky. My gosh, it's it's just freaky is the only it's way to so say it. so weird. Yeah. So, um, anyways, there's a quote. Um it's like a Arab, an old Arab quote that's like, um, man fears time, time fears pyramids. Okay. Yeah. And it's just kind of, kind of like, ooh, okay. Anyways, so the pyramids have been around for over 4,000 years, okay? So in general, though, I'm going to focus on talking about the Great Pyramid, okay? Okay. <laughs> So, the Great Pyramid is 6 million tons as its weight, okay? That in pounds, that's 12 billion pounds. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's crazy. For comparison, the Empire State Building is 365,000 tons or 730 million pounds, like not even close literally not close (laughs) (laughs) and significantly taller so anyways really just kind of interesting okay there are over 2.5 million blocks of stone okay so anyways like there's so many details where i could dive in really really deep but i kind of wanted to take this dark turn at the end so i I'm kind of going somewhat vague, but I'm just kind of telling you the things that I found interesting, okay? okay? So, with the pyramids, and this is like almost all of the pyramids in Egypt, but especially the Great Pyramid in particular, it is targeted towards true north, which is crazy that this occurred 4,000 years ago. 
that they had it targeted in true north. And it is so accurate that it is it is the degree that it is off of true north is three sixtieths of a degree off. Oh my gosh. Like it's almost actually perfect. You know what I mean? And that the three sixtieths amount may be due to wind erosion. (laughs) So it's just it's it's incredible. Like it's mathematically almost perfect they've found that the estimated differences so it goes up to um like 410 feet tall and between the sides of measurements there's some places estimate that it was only one centimeter off and some places say that it was up to 14 centimeters off but can you imagine this i mean these huge stones that are like isn't you know so heavy and they got it by centimeters because it literally had to be perfect um and then too back in the day the other thing okay basically the prince of egypt lied to us <laughs> so, are you talking about the dreamworks film yes it meant a lot to me <laughs> but apparently Sorry there, there were loss, not Brett. what I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. That's how you're supposed to respond. Hallie, remember that. <laughs> but um, the thing that I did not know literally as until I was studying about this was that um, slaves were not used to build the pyramids. It was hired labor. Like they would specifically only get the best artisans, the best engineers, and they were housed there. They've now found that they had specific fields to like feed them some of the best food. Like, it's insane. You know what I mean? It w- it wasn't slave trade. You know what I mean? Because there's such a high degree of accuracy. And then they well, found it was this like other a privilege proof. to work. It, it truly was. You were selected to. It, it, I I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Anyways, um, so getting into some of the the other freaky kind of math things with the pyramids. So the height of, if you have the height of the great pyramid and multiply that by, this sounds like a random number, but afterwards I'll tell you where that number comes from. Okay. Multiply that number by (laughs) 43,200 and you get the polar radius of the earth, like to the exact specificity. In which is just like, okay, that's weird. But then if you use that number and you measure the base of the pyramid. (laughs) If you measure the base of the Great Pyramid and multiply that by 43,200, you get the equatorial circumference of the Earth. Like, exactly. So, basically... So... So you, you remember like a, the circumference is like the whole outside and the radius is like half. Hannah's brain is still growing. <laughs> I hear they say it takes till you're at least in your late twenties, so we're still we're still getting there. <laughs> oh Hannah. Okay. Anyway. It's weird someone doesn't have a degree. Just kidding. <laughs> you're a jerk. I know. <laughs> 
please tell me someone got that reference anyways okay no one did wow all right anyways okay you're i know okay okay anyways though so basically on top of it the pyramids being built to have a true polar north you know what i mean or excuse me not a not a polar north a true north which Uh is there's a difference don't ask me what that is because i don't know the difference but (laughs) there's a difference (laughs) and then you know they're facing true north they, you know, like the the height times forty three thousand two hundred equals the radius. The base length times forty three thousand two hundred equals the circumference of the Earth. Like there were measurements, you know what I mean? This, this, the, you know, basically the the Great Pyramid was modeled after the Earth with all of these different things like that was the base measurements and it's it's uh anyways that's kind of why they talk about like it's perfection you know neil degrasse tyson talks about if you were to shrink earth down to the size of a cue ball you know what i mean like a pool cue ball it would be smoother than any cue ball that's ever been manufactured what yeah think about yeah Anyways, I mean, it's crazy. And you think like, wait, but Everest is like so high and, you know, Marianas Trench is so low. But no, I mean, it is about as perfect as it can be. And so when you get into all this weird math stuff, it's like, wait, what? And this is 4,000 years ago. Yeah, this that's what I don't now with a computer. Like, it's it's insane. But anyways, so the other thing is... Um, so this number 43,200 is again. So the other piece that's just crazy about this is Earth's axis, you know, like Earth is always spinning. Mm-hmm. It changes 1 degree every 72 years. And basically there's this whole math thing that I won't bore anyone about, but that number 43,200 is like a super huge piece of like understanding the Earth's rotation and axis and like, it just all makes sense. It's mathematically, like, true. So, anyways, it's just freaky, okay? So, one other thing that I just, just blew my mind, okay? So, the st- there are stones that are over 300 feet high on the pyramids. And there's dozens of these that are over 70 tons per stone, okay? That's over 140,000 pounds, Okay, so I was like, okay, what does an average crane right now lift? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so again, remembering that these dozens of stones that are seventy tons and three hundred feet high. Okay, the average crane in the world today can lift between ten and sixty tons and has an oh. average height of around one hundred to one hundred fifty feet. Oh my god. It doesn't make any sense to my brain. No. It hurts my head. Like, that's just freaky. Like, what? Well, okay, isn't it true that there's, like, a pyramid on every continent? I believe that they disproved the Antarctic 
oh, pyramid. Okay. But I mean, I've heard that before, but I that could be an, another episode idea. Turns out yeah. polar bears stacked on each other, <laughs> <laughs> but they were facing polar north. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyways, okay, so a couple other just like interesting freaky math things I just don't understand. Okay. So, um, uh, again, that whole weight thing just blows my mind, but there's this one granite coffin and we could talk about the great, I mean, basically the granite that they were getting for the great pyramid, it would be an 11 hour drive right now. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you can see where the granite has taken place with like, you know, from their best estimates. It looks, you know, like, you know, when you get uh, uh, an ice cream scoop and run it under warm water and you, it is so satisfying because it just kind of like melts the ice cream out and gets that perfect scoop. That's what the granite in these mountains looks like. What? It looks like it's been like melted away and it's like this perfect scoop. With an ice cream scooper? With an ice cream scooper. A medium to large size ice cream scooper. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, it's like four feet across. Like, it's insane. And then it's like, how did they get these that are, you know, 70 tons, you know, or some of them heavier, where it would currently be an 11 hour drive? In a car. That 4,000 years ago. That's what's just crazy. Is like how did they have all these. Insane advancements. And why aren't we that advanced. I mean. I know. It's... How come we live with road construction 24-7. <laughs> Gilbert has been under construction. Since like Brett was in high school. I know. But actually. <laughs> uh, anyways. So it's just it's just so crazy. Um I I don't know if I said this. I may have already, sorry, but um I jumped ahead in my notes. But the pyramids were originally completely white with limestone. So they like glistened and like reflected almost in the sun. It was like a apparently a very beautiful thing. You could see like projections of what it looked like and I mean, gosh, that would have been so freaky to see that in the middle of the desert. Anyways, so they used, you know, for like the complexity of the angles. So the angle of the pyramids on both sides is an exact 51.13 degrees. Okay, which whatever, that's that. But um, now people um, are saying that they must have used the Pythagorean theorem to like figure out the angles and some of this stuff. The Pythagorean theorem was created 2,000 years after the pyramids were constructed. Oh, that's insane. It's just insane. So anyways, so there's one other thing that I want to talk about, and then we'll get we'll take our little deep dive, our, our, our dark turn here. Okay. So there is, there's like chambers, and that's the thing. It's not just like a solid construction. There's rooms, there's tunnels, there's air shafts, there's escape shafts. Like, it's quite complex. Um, and inside, they built a grand chamber, okay? And I compared it to feet because 
you know, we're American and I understand meters. Um, <laughs> like the measurement of feet. But I remember <laughs> it, so I'll say it for our Portuguese and Italian listeners. <laughs> anyway, so the grand chamber inside the Great Pyramid is almost 20 feet high, 20 feet mm-hmm. wide, and 40 feet long. So that's five meters by five meters by 10 meters. Okay. Okay. And then imagine putting a 70 ton piece of granite on top of that. How does that balance? Oh my gosh. It doesn't make sense. No. It just doesn't make sense. Well, it's, they're all hollow. They're definitely not. Okay. I thought I'd read that somewhere. That. There are pyramids that they found that they have like caverns inside and they're hollow. So, so no, that's the other piece of it too is like for the shafts and all the different like tunnels that they have, for the most part, they've not been chiseled out. They were designed in, which is even more impressive, I feel like. Yeah. So anyways. This has Porter Giddy. and so fun are you guys hearing him squeak he's serious he's so sorry i love that again it's great (laughs) (laughs) so next even to this day there are heat source anomalies and this is where hannah knows this is where i started to take my my dark turn because you know, when you get into the world of, like, ghost hunting and some of that kind of stuff, you know, you're looking for, like, heat signatures. So, like, you can bring a FLIR, you know what I mean? Like a infrared heat camera to different places and see, like, okay, where's the heat? You know what I mean? Where does it come from? And there's anomalous heat signatures in the Great Pyramids that no one can explain. So, like, certain spots that are always hot. And they don't know why. Just... Oh, no, you're scary, Porter. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so. <laughs> but anyways, though, so now I want to talk about going to get into the darker stuff. Curses with the tombs of the pharaohs. Okay. So I want to talk about. Uh, a couple of different things okay so in general i'm kind of opening this up now to just some of the tombs that were you know in in other pyramids that have been opened okay so hieroglyphs were not deciphered like they couldn't understand what they were until the 19th century so the 1800s okay so reports of curses before this are simply perceived bad luck associated with handling of mummies and other artifacts from tombs i'm reading this here now too because i was like i could try to say this but there's so many little details i just don't want to miss it so in 1699 so this is quite a ways back Louis Ponichir wrote an account of which he recorded how a Polish traveler bought two mummies in Alexandria, Egypt, and took the mummies with him in the cargo hold. Okay, the traveler was alarmed to see that there were these two um, uh, mummies with them, and it got super stormy. And they're literally thinking the boat's going to capsize 
And the storm did not stop until the mummies were thrown off the boat. And then the storm stopped. I remember hearing about What? Yeah. So, and now going to the next one here, okay? So, um, I don't have the date on this one, but um, Zahi Hawass recalled that as a young archaeologist excavating at Kam Abu Bilo, he had to transport several artifacts of to the excuse me from the Greco-Roman site. So, anyways, so sorry, hold up. This is I, I wrote that on wrong. This is he's an archaeologist taking things from the from the pyramid. I apologize. Anyways. On that same day, you know, his first day taking these, transporting these artifacts, his cousin died. His uncle died on the first anniversary that this occurred. And on the third anniversary, his aunt died. Years later, when excavating the tombs of the builders in the pyramids of Giza, he encountered the curse. All people who enter this tomb, who will make evil against this tomb and destroy it, may the crocodile be against them in the water. And snakes against them in the land. May the hippopotamus be against them in the water and the scorpion on the land. Okay. So now Ooh. this brings us to the curse of King Tut. Okay. So this occurred in 1922 where they found King Tut's tomb and they kind of truly raided it. Like, you know what I mean? So Howard Carter was the first person who found King Tut's tomb, okay? He was famously known for what occurred when he, like, popped his head through and saw, and they said, like, what do you see? And he said, there's wonderful things. Like, wonderful things are inside the tomb of the king. So, they got all these things out. They just kind of trashed the place, is what, is what I've read from reports. And on a clay tablet... It was later translated to read, um, death will slay with, with his wings whoever disturbs the Pharaoh's peace. Like, dang. <laughs> Anyways, uh. so next it is, um, okay, so I want to kind of read some of this, all right? So... Um, the belief in a curse was brought to many people's attention due to the deaths of, of the first members of Howard Carter's team. Um, famous Egyptologist James Henry Breestead worked with Carter soon after first opening the tomb. He reported how Carter sent a messenger on an errand to his house. Upon, upon approaching his home, the messenger thought he heard a faint, almost human cry. Upon reaching the entrance, he saw the birdcage occupied by a cobra, the symbol of Egyptian monarchy. Carter's canary had died in its mouth, and this fueled local rumors of a curse. So, you know, so this is, you know, like, as soon as they open the tomb, he sends some messenger. He's like, go to my house, you know, whatever, do this. And he, the guy gets to this, the main, you know, Howard Carter's house. Here's this cry. See that a bird has eaten this canary. You know what I mean? Like, so anyways, it's just, it's just crazy how all this happened. Um, um, okay. Oh, and it was, it was specifically that it was a cobra 
was what was worn on the king on King Tut's crown, too. So, anyways, um, the first deaths were that of Lord Carnarvon. That's a fun name. Um, He was the one who paid for the whole trip, basically. So he had been bitten by a mosquito while he was there and then cut his face while shaving and it became infected and he died of blood poisoning. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, So it says two weeks before Carnarvon died, um, Mary Corelli wrote an imaginative letter. Again, you know, they, they try to make it seem imaginative. Whatever. That was published in the New York World magazine in which she quoted an obscure book that confidently asserted that dire punishment would follow any intrusion into a sealed tomb. A media frenzy followed with reports that the curse had been found within the king's tomb. Um, so, after this, there began to be a whole bunch of people that were trying to get a hold of mummies and then everyone was just trying to get rid of them because they were feeling like they're being cursed. Okay. So from here, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was, who was the one who wrote Sherlock Holmes suggested that Lord Carnarvon's death had been caused by elementals. Okay. Which were created by Tutankhamun's priest to guard the Royal tomb. And this, you know, that made everything go crazy. Um, uh, what? Let me say here. Oh, so it was known that. Um, so six weeks, you know, like a- after all this happened, like six weeks pass, and the media is reporting, and they're talking to like the Egyptian people, whatever, and. Um, the the reporter and whatever whatever the egyptian guy that's there says i'll give him six weeks to live six weeks later he died of that blood poisoning yeah so anyways um let me keep going here so i'm just gonna do the summaries because sorry i've taken so long but i want to talk about the what occurred like the deaths, you know, that have been attributed to the curse of King Tut. Okay. So, um, first was that guy, um, George Herbert. Um, so he, uh, again, another financial backer, you know, that he was the one who died from the blood poisoning. Okay. Then, George Gold, a visitor to the tomb, died in the French Riviera on May 16th, 1923, after he developed a fever following his visit. A.C. Mace, a member of Carter's excavation team, died in April 1928, having suffered pleurisy and pneumonia. Captain the Honorable Richard Bethel, Carter's secretary, died November 15th, 1929, Died in his bed, a victim of a, of a suspected smothering. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, and it's almost exactly a year after the tomb was opened. And then the last one, um, uh, 
he died 16 years after. So that's when Howard Carter died. And he basically had health issues his entire life until he died. So basically that is King Tut's curse and a little bit about the pyramids. So I just thought that was way too crazy not to dive into. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so freaky. Like it yeah. like the thing is nothing about the pyramids makes sense. Like oh, yeah. Like just the sheer size of them. I mean it makes yeah. zero sense. Oh, I know. It's literally just so insane. And then just, I don't know, just diving in. It it was genuinely just fun to study about it. I really enjoyed it. So, anyways, that's, I, as I was talking to Hannah earlier, like, there are some stories where it's like, oh, freaky, definitely not true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But- but there are some in the world that are just simply unsettling. Yeah. And it's just like, this is one that's just unsettling. It's just like, wait, what? There's something that we're missing, and I don't know what it is. And I don't think I'll ever find out what it is. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it's just Same. freaky. So anyways, okay, Anna. I know I used a lot of time, but you're up. You ready? Go ahead, chicken nugget. Uh, Hannah, you have two minutes. <laughs> Just kidding. I do have like ten minutes till I have to go to work, though. <laughs> okay, so mine, a little different. Another one that is like a completely true story. And um, background: I lived in Tahiti for a year and a half, and so there were parts of Tahiti that like we weren't allowed to go to, like certain islands called like the Marques Islands because they still were actively practicing cannibalism. <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to talk about um, the story of Stefan Raymond, who was a German sailor who had been eaten by Polynesian cannibals. I love it. <laughs> Goody. Okay, so Brit's like I'm getting so hungry. <laughs> I wonder what they marinated him in. <laughs> and how long do you think they smoked him for? <laughs> By the way, I just got a new Traeger. <laughs> you know, like here's my thing. For human, is that a one sixty five temperature or like <laughs> yeah, you gotta bring temp to like, Do you debone him first or <laughs> They eat it off the bone. <laughs> it's fall off the bone tender. <laughs> I don't think they're cooking it. <laughs> you wait, wait. Do you wait, me genuinely it. mean to tell me that you think that they ate him raw? Ew. There, ready? Okay, okay. yeah. For so Stephen Raymond, he went missing <laughs> in of Nukuhiva in the Marques in French Polynesian. So. He and his girlfriend were on a trip of a lifetime sailing around the world and had arrived to Nukuhiva on September 16th. They were going to finish their trip in New Zealand. What year is this? Uh, 2011. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, they had... So, Raymond had gone goat hunting with a local guide called Arihano Haiti. Um, he... When he got back, he was like, 
very, very injured. And his girlfriend said that they had tied her to a tree and ran away. And then she escaped and then hadn't found her boyfriend or the guy who took him on the tour. Okay. And her boyfriend went goat hunting with this guy who was a local. And then they never saw him again or the well they ended up seeing the guy who took him on the tour but they never saw the boyfriend ever again and the girlfriend had been tied up and like she was fine but her boyfriend again yikes so they say on some of these things they're like the police was like oh yeah it's not even cannibalism i don't want to hear about that that's madness it's a non-issue that's not a thing here But then they found his charred remains and clothes that were, you know, matched his DNA. It says, Thorell said, which was one of the the police officers, said that there were bits of flesh at the site and teeth that matched those of Stephen Raymond. No one in Tahiti was saying that the body had been eaten. But then, like, the people who were actually there, so the police was saying, "Yeah, yeah, there wasn't anything. But then. Germans went there and they're like, no, like they're one of our like our people. Like we're gonna go check it out. And they said <laughs> there was evidence all over that they that he had been eaten. That's so what they're saying. There, so that one article written by French, and then like had that one snippet from the German saying like this is BS. So then we have it of the German side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the background the ta'apuna people had noted they ate their own dead relevant their dead relatives to spare them the indignity of rotting in the earth wow. oh that's like, so sweet i know <laughs> <laughs> hey guys i don't want to be buried okay you want to be eaten <laughs> when i'm 80 and all crinkly <laughs> Oh, gosh. So, you know that there's such thing as a green burial, where they just basically yeah. put your body in a field? Or Oh, what the hell? They let, like, the elements bring it down. Well, and, like, birds and coyotes. Oh. And... Kill me now. So, rather than us eating you, we'll let other animals eat you, okay, Hallie? Oh, circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay, keep going, Anna. About how there was, like, a guy from Italy who, like, moved to the island of Nukuhiva, and he, like, became local. And he explained it kind of being, like, the mob, where, like, they will protect you, and, like, they're not going to do anything, but, like, they'll kill their own people for screwing up. Whoa. They only really, like, cannibalize people of their own tribe. Uh and so it says that the guy, like, had become one, like, decided to, like, become a native, he says, and was adopted into, like, their army. And he said, after battle, the prisoners are eaten. The eyes, brain, and the cheeks are regarded as delicacies. Um, the skulls are split open, the brains and blood drunk, then scraped clean. Before the jaw is fixed on fibers and carried as a symbol of valor. They fight amongst themselves the least disagreement and cut throats to provide food. 
And so it just talks about how, like, they were like, oh, it's because of all the famines that they got the taste of, like, human flesh. But it's like, yes and no. They also, like, it kind of was just like a human sacrifice and then they aren't wasteful and, like, all this stuff. So, yeah, there's, like, I mean, this is freaking 2011. Yeah, I thought this was going to be old. No. Yeah, I was thinking you were going to say 1800s. No, no, no. 2011. <laughs> yeah, so when they, and then it says here, when a child dies, they consume it so thoroughly, even pulverizing the bones and drinking them down in plantain soup, that there is nothing left. So that for, is one that, of the most disturbing things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Fine. And so for that German guy, they had found parts of him, they had eaten him raw, and then they had burned him so that they would like discard of like the evidence of him so they didn't like fully go to town on it they parts of him that is actually insane gosh and disgusting i just i just can't believe that that happened that recently oh i know and like there are like it stopped that's so crazy. Like, when I was there in, like, 2018, it was still talked about how the people in New were, like, were still, like, like having cannibalism. And, like, I knew people from the Marques Island. And they were, like, and I asked them, I was, like, oh, like, is that true about the cannibalism? And they were, like, yeah, I mean, you no. Know, like kind of embarrassed but like said it still is and that it's like almost traditional that's so insane so wrong on so many levels there you go well that was fun you know normally like with our first ones we're like okay which one seems like it could be more true but <laughs> we were only spitting facts. This time. <laughs> so suck on that. <laughs> well, I have personally never been to the Tahitian Islands or never seen the pyramids, so I'm calling them both bullshit. <laughs> wow. My four pages of a Word document <laughs> down the drain. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, those are fun stories. Okay, well, we will uh, just keep bringing it back. Okay, so every Friday, keep moving forward. Cool. All right, we'll see you guys later. (laughs) All right, bye. Bye. Bye.